Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy! Um, to kick things off, uh, we have a, a, a special guest uh, who will be making introductions tonight. Um, please welcome a publisher of Red Hat and Press, Kate Gale. Well, thank you all so much for being here tonight. And uh, Red Hen Press loves Skylight Books, um, and uh, we're so <laughs> we're so excited to be here again. So, just can we all give a round of applause to Skylight Books? <laughs> While you're here, definitely buy some books. Um, <laughs> So this has been a very interesting month for us at Red Hand. Um, Red Hand was started 20 years ago by Mark and myself, and we wanted to make LA a more literary city. Um, people thought that uh, we were kind of crazy at the time, and they were right. Um, but it's been quite an exciting journey. Um, so as some of you know, on March 19th, um, my husband Mark College, the publisher of Red Hand, had emergency open heart surgery. And uh, so there was some question as to whether he would be here tonight and in fact some people suggested that he just stay home and I said to him don't be a pussy <laughs> you can do this um, and Jared's looking at me because he knows this is exactly the kind of thing I would say to his father <laughs> Um, I am so excited that he's here tonight to read from his novel, King of the Sea Monkeys. It's out from Guernica Editions. And interestingly, it is a, a novel in which a man ends up um, having a brain injury. Um, so what started all this was that Mark fell down and had a concussion and was kind of brain injured for a while. And then they found out that uh, there was something going on with his heart. So clearly he didn't feel he was close enough to his character. But now he is. Please welcome Mark Call. Hey everybody. So that's going to explain the eye patch. The eye patch has zero to do with the heart surgery. So and it's actually the optic nerve got damaged. So um okay, so I'm going to read from the first chapter of my book. Um please today when everybody has a chance, feel free to buy copies of both my book and Chris Terry's. They're actually a matched pair if you take a look at them together. Um, also, when we're done, I think Chris and I are going to do questions and answers after he's done reading. So if you have anything that you'd like to ask, feel free. Okay, from chapter one. Paul has been visiting the Big Rock Dam since before his six-year-old daughter Jessie was born. He has never fished the reservoir or stream that feeds it. He is an amateur bird watcher, so he's familiar with the area, especially the stream. He knows little about how real bird watchers go about finding and watching birds. He comes up every other month or so with a field guide. 
When he spots a bird he has never seen before, he puts a little X in pencil next to the picture and its gender. It is more of a way to spend a few hours alone to think than anything else. His wife, Lillian, has no idea that he, ha- that he is interested in birds. There it is, he says, when the, ta- when the wall of the dam comes into view. Jessie climbs out of her seat belt so that she can see. The reservoir is on the other side, he says. That's the lake we're going to fish in. She nods and looks out the window quietly for a few moments and then looks at Paul. Daddy, do fish have fun? I'm not sure about that, honey. I think fish are kind of like chickens. I don't think they can remember anything long enough to have fun. I forget things, and I have fun, she says. You're different than a fish. Why do you want to know if they have fun? Because Mommy says it's wrong to kill things that have fun. The road heads south, wrapping around the lake on the west side. Not far from the dam's wall is a turnout with a building set back in the middle. Along its front is a sign that reads, Dam Spot. This is Big Rock Recreation Area's local bait shop. Looking at the numerous bumper stickers on an old pickup, Paul suddenly remembers what kind of magazines are on display inside this store. Of course, there are the requisite issues of fishing for fishing off-road enthusiasts, but they are far outnumbered by adult magazines. He thinks about this and all of the junk food. Jesse will beg for snacks. He knows how upset his wife will be if he fills her up on soda and chips. Rather than dealing with the begging, he decides to have her wait in the car. Sweetie, he says, turning on the radio, I need to run inside for a minute. Paul thinks about whether it is wise to leave the keys in the car with the radio on. Jesse is more likely to stay put. He plays with the tuner and finds a station she will like. A bell rings when the front door of the store opens to alert an old man behind the counter. A huge flag hangs on the wall. Below it are a collection of bumper stickers and signs with sayings like, In God we trust, all others pay cash. And next to the flag is a framed collection of military decorations. Paul looks around and spots a refrigerator with the worms. What are the fish biting on today, he calls out. Crawlers, the old man says without looking away from a tiny television. Paul opens the refrigerator and starts pulling out unmarked containers. He opens a few of the lids but cannot tell if there are any worms inside at all. Which of these are crawlers, he asks, holding up a couple of the containers. The old man glares at Paul and with a grunt comes out from behind the counter. He grabs one of the containers, takes off its lid, and stirs the soil around inside with a finger until a couple of worms are exposed. You got eyes? He asks, shoving the container back at Paul. Are those crawlers? He asks, putting the lid back on. What, do you need something else? The old man says, going back to the counter. I don't think so, but give me a minute. Paul says, looking over the fishing tackle hanging on a pegboard display. The hooks on display are much larger than the ones he bought the day before. When he got home, Paul opened the package with a, and with a pair of needle-nose pliers. He carefully closed the barbs on each of the hooks. Since Jesse has never fished before, he thought that she might just as well fish barbless. He hopes to show her how to set the drag on the reel to keep just enough tension in the line so as to not lose the fish. He brought along a couple of very large treble hooks to show Jesse how damaging they can be. He'll explain to her how that can happen. As Paul 
As Pollux examines a small spinning lure with a black and red spoon, the bell on the front door of the store rings as customers enter. He thinks to himself, if he clipped off a couple of the lure's hooks and closed the barb on the remaining hook, it should work very well. Looking at the price, he decides that it would be an inexpensive experiment. Jesse just might like the action of a spinning lure instead of tossing out a baited hook. At least she'll have a choice. It is at this point Paul's attention returns to the counter where there's some commotion between the old man and his new customers. Get the hell out of my store. I don't allow you kind of kids in here, the old man shouts at a couple of teenagers near the display of candy. I ain't going to put up with you troubled bastards running around here stealing stuff. Hey, mister, we're just trying to buy some candy, one of the kids says. And the other pulls a dollar from his pocket. Looky, 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 he says, waving the uh, bill in the air. Money, money, money. Probably the first dollar you've seen all day, huh, Pops? The old man stands on tiptoe, trying to peer around the boy, waving the money to see the other boy who's looking at the candy. Get out here where I can see you, you thieving little shit. The old man comes out from behind the counter, waving a pistol. Paul would prefer to keep clear of this situation at this point but he cannot bear the idea of the old man tossing these boys out simply because he does not care for the way they look. He comes out from behind the display of fishing tackle to see if he can get a better sense of things. Hey, Mr. G, what's up? calls the boy next to the canny. Paul recognized the boy immediately from school, though he is unfamiliar with the one brandishing the money. Eugene, he says, what's going on here? The old man looks at him in surprise. That's right, he says, waving the gun. What is going on here? Are you with these kids, scouting up my place, making some kind of diversion so I can't see them snatching merchandise up with those sticky cotton pickers of theirs? Hey, Mr. Eugene says, this is my teacher. Like I said, get out here where I can see your hands. I ain't put up with any of your monkey shines, you. The old man waves the gun in Paul's face. What the hell kind of name is Mr. G? You some kind of damned gang boss? I'm an English teacher. The name's Goldsmith. You know kids are. They like to call me Mr. G. Goldsmith, huh? I know what kind of name that is. Better to stick to your name your rats call you by, I say. The old man starts to close in on Paul. Eugene and his friends step back toward the rear of the store, putting some distance between themselves and the crazy man with the gun. Paul backs toward the front door slowly, not wanting to leave the two boys alone. He's not sure what the old guy's up to. The old man situated himself between Paul and the boys. Paul's afraid he might suddenly think he's been surrounded. He doesn't want to imagine this old, what this old guy might do if he's alarmed. As bad of an idea as it is to leave the boys alone, he thinks it might be best to step outside for a few minutes, let the guy cool down. Slowly and deliberately, Paul turns himself around. Stop right there, you son of a bitch, he shouts. And through the screen door, the sand of the lot outside becomes strangely bright. Music from a pop radio station is barely audible. Paul looks up, remembers the sound of the store's bell. He sees himself in the mirror that hangs on that wall above the two-headed engine by the door. There isn't time to be shocked by the image of his forehead spinning red all over the glass. In this instant, he is deaf, and it is as if God dropped the third of his life and forgotten his name. Thank you.
So our next reader is Chris Terry. Uh, he has a new book out from Red Hen Press. And uh, when, I, when I first read this, this collection of short stories, um, it was sent to me by a friend of mine who said, you know, Chris is this wonderful jazz musician and he's this amazing writer and you've got to read these short stories. And I, I got into this first short story about these two guys who pretend that they are trying to be really good dads while they go out and fight dragons instead of taking care of the children. And I instantly thought, like, I know so many guys like this. This is great. Uh, and, and this whole collection of short stories just completely mesmerized me. I'm so excited uh, with, with Chris's Bigfoot book. Please welcome Chris Terry. Thank you so much. Let's see. All right. Um, I'm going to read a story that I haven't read before from the book, um, which, because two of my very best friends in the world, my friends Sean and Colin here, we went to college together, took me out and had some glasses of wine. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure exactly if I'll stumble over this, but we'll, we'll get through it together. And at the end, maybe we can all edit some stuff down and be a little shorter. <laughs> Uh, there's a portion of this that has some redacted text, and because I haven't read it before, I'm not sure what I'm going to do when I get there. We'll figure it out. All right. It's called City Hall Pair Bonding Study. Assuming that love actually did take place, that love between two City Hall employees, one from sewage and disposable income studies, the other from the much less heralded bikes and bike rack division... <laughs> was indeed a manifestation of actual love, of throw-your-arms-around-it-and-cry kind of love, and not the byproduct of lonely office, interdepartmental ballyhoo, see one-night stand, then the current variables, social media studies, and other weights and measures can be correctly applied. For the ease of this study, the male, Bikes and Bike Racks Division, will here and be known as Kenneth, or Ken, or Don't Stop, Faster, Harder, My Hot Piece of City Hall Ass. As indicated in the relationship vernacular established by the female, whom, from this point on, will be referred to as Francis, or Franny, or My Little Ball of Wet Love, as indicated by the reciprocating, passion-induced awkwardness of Kenneth. Furthermore, the place of residence, or quickly a quickly acquired domicile will herein be referred to as the apartment or when used in conjunction with common catchphrases adopted in the past in, in passing by Kenneth and Francis as home see also take me right here right now right inside this fucking apartment <laughs> note due to an extended and somewhat arduous strike city hall has been closed for the following number of days 192 <laughs> for more information on this specific time frame please refer to the following I saw you staring at that tramp in permits. And welcome to exclusivity. During the time period associated with the following section of the study, one thing has become clear. Kenneth and Francis seem to have differentiated themselves from the typical city hall pairing with confirmed acquisition of one or more of the following items. One, engagement ring. Two, Ikea furniture. Three, twins. The procurement methodology surrounding the arrival of the twins and the reaction of Kenneth and Francis to the realities of such an unexpected event has established within the apartment a heightened sense of impending doom. See also raising twins, two diapers, double the load. 
The addition of twins is interesting in so much as it has been shown that unlimited use of select uh, erotic colloquialisms while taking part in the pair bonding ritual does not generally lead to genetic pairing through offspring. See birth control. Let alone two offspring, let alone two offspring created through the union of sewage and disposal income studies and the bikes and bike rack division. The specific type, this, that specific type of cellular division is more commonly seen in late night shenanigans, drunken forgetfulness, or quite often just plain stupidity. See also, forget about the condom and just fuck me. How to ruin your life in five easy steps. The arrival of the twins confirms the acquisition of one or more of the following items. One, diapers. Two, cribs. Three, sickness. Four, fatigue. And five, hemorrhoids. Note, due to a hurricane, Walter, City Hall has been closed for the following number of years. Three, because of severe weather damage, see mold, the details surrounding the addition of Kenneth and Francis's third offspring are somewhat unclear. For more information on this specific time frame, one is asked to review the following studies. Pornography is for parents too, and the dangers of morning wood. Timing of sporadic, less frequent, not right now, you better make this quick, the kids are asleep, pair bonding rituals within the apartment will, for the purpose of this time period of the study, be broken up and expressed as a ratio. Three to zero. A ratio defined by the standard median age of the infants in the apartment, three, to the number of frequency of pair bonding rituals taking place within the said apartment, zero. Note, due to a long and protracted a coup, see revolution, and a fierce battle over the rights and ownership associated with City Hall, the following number of years were lost to this study. 19. For information on standard pair bonding rituals typical to this time period, please see the following studies. Don't you kids ever fucking knock? You're old enough to make your own grilled cheese sandwiches, and don't ask me, ask your mother. Confirmed acquisition of one or more of the following items. One, textbooks. Two, boyfriends. Three, college tuitions. Four, empty apartment. With the acquisition of boyfriends, textbooks, college tuitions, and an empty apartment, it has been observed during this time period that Kenneth and Francis seem to be experiencing a sense of loss or void when participating in standard day-to-day activities such as apartment maintenance, vehicle care, and dining room table discussions. A noted upside or general connectedness observed within the newly silent, quickly acquired domicile apartment, however, has, has been seen in the increased number of parabondering rituals. See also, the kitchen floor still turns me on, and the washing machine, sex, and you. Note, due to a retracted text, see bomb, and a retracted, retracted text, City Hall's been closed for the following number of years. 33. For information relating to this time period, please refer to the following sources. Aging sexually, the realities of cramped cruised ship cabins, and this lubricant tastes like peaches. (laughs) I've never read this. (laughs) My in-laws are sitting right there. (laughs) It's like... Confirmed acquisition of one or more of the following items. One, grandchildren. Two, gray hair. Three, comfy chair. And four, cancer. Tenderness in the, in the holding of shiny, thin-skinned, liver-spotted hands have predominantly replaced most activities commonly associated with Kenneth and Francis's parabonding ritual. Frisky and adoring statements by the frail and the undernourished Kenneth are still reciprocated with a worried smile by the healthier and much younger-looking Francis.
The acquisition of grandchildren has intensified the need, compulsion, demand for pictorial displays throughout the quickly acquired domicile, now also named headquarters. During family functions, see Christmas, etc., it has been observed that Kenneth's and Francis's role within the family have become somewhat monarchical in nature. See also, Grandpa Ken is not a pony. And no, you can't wear Grandpa Franny's dentures on Halloween. (laughs) Note, due to a government-issued and much-needed long weekend, City Hall has been closed for the following number of days. Three. For a complete study to this time period, please consult the following. Yes, this is her. No, he is not breathing. Please send help. With the passing of Kenneth, confirmed acquisition of one of the following items has taken place. One, loneliness. If we were to believe for a moment in love that is worn, love love that is long-standing, the kind of love where throwing one's arms around it and crying is simply not enough, then one must also take into account aging, understanding, and grace. At the very least, phrases of unmatched longing and grief as they relate to the tear-stained sheets of the now suddenly older and often frail Francis must be considered. Support throughout the pair-bonding experiment has been abundant, that much is certain. Most mysterious is the connection, physical or otherwise, that when severed, can conceivably induce such a rapid and undeniable decline in Franny. A fact that speaks to the strength of an unlikely bond, one that would see two former City Hall employees, one from city sewage and disposable income studies, the other from the much less heralded bikes and bike rack division, learn that a life containing one without the other is, in fact, no life at all. Thank you. I think Mark and I are going to a- answer some questions. So um, if anybody has, it can be anything, literary, you know. I live in New York. I'm here in L.A. The weather's amazing. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't have any tissues. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anything you guys, you know, can think of. And we thought we'd just sort of take some questions. And Mark's book is great. I've read it. And, and they are really a matching pair. In fact, he held them up to me today. I was like, did you notice how close in size these are? Exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're des- yeah, mine was designed in Canada. And Mark actually designed mine, sort of like... Yeah, but, yeah. but the front. I didn't do the front no. at all. Yeah, right. so. But they're the same color and the same size. And kind, of, kind of really weird. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. They really are meant to go together. Yeah, right. <laughs> And when you buy both of them, you'll be able to compare them. <laughs> um, yeah, does anybody have any questions? Yes? Your musical background, mm-hmm. certain cadences in your work seem like they follow. Now maybe that's because I spoke to you ahead of time, but there, there seemed like there were those cadences. Mm-hmm. And when you read, it seemed as if you were picking up certain progressions, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's. I think that's. A, can everybody hear me? Do I need to? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I think that's an important thing. Yeah. I think that's one of the things, especially because I also teach a lot of writing. Uh, I mentor a lot of writers, and a lot of them are like, "Well, what about that noun verb and jog?" I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> Sounds good to me, you know. But um, so I definitely go by like a rhythm and a, and a word thing. And in terms of like the two, um, doing both kind of equally, um, I have to say that that the, the writing probably has influenced my music more than the other way around because um, before when I was, you know, I always, I had, you know, I, um, I've had an opportunity to play with some of the best musicians in the world. I love it. 
Um, but because of that, I got really lazy compositionally, and I would just write tunes that were, uh, you know, here, awesome guitar player, play my tune, you'll make it sound great. Um, and then when I started writing seriously, and I realized quickly, as all writers do, that great writing is 85% revision, um, I started to love, fall in love with revision in a really deep way, and it affected my composition on the last, my last couple of records in a really heavy way. I would, instead of doing that, I would throw out melodies and notes and, you know, work until it was right. So I think uh, that's one of the interesting ways that I found that the two influence each other, not only just in the reading and the rhythm and cadence and stuff, but in a very sort of practical level for me. Yeah. Everybody else has more questions. Yeah. So kind of piggybacking on that, how, how long were you working on your book? Um, this one, it took me about two and a half years to write this. So when it was finished, it was finished about four or five years ago. Um, I had to find a publisher and like that, and it's, you know, it was accepted a couple of years ago, so. I always wondered, working with seeing Mark and Kate and how hard they work, I always, like, when I heard he was, when they said, oh, you should come read with Mark, he's got a, a you know, a, a book coming out. I was like, when does he find time to read book? <laughs> yeah, the book coming out, I have a, a novel, as you're aware, I have a big novel that I'm, uh, finished with that I'm looking for an agent for now. I have another one that's finished that I'm editing, and I have a, a third one yet again, actually including this one, a fourth one that I'm in the process of writing. And you have to have like major heart surgery to find time to... <laughs> <laughs> and I've been working on a novel for four years and it's there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, any other any other questions? This is great. I mean, I know. Yeah, seriously, ask anything. That's all. Yeah. I think you guys are the same height also. Yeah. Are we? Uh, probably yeah, pretty I think, close. I think, I think, I think, you know what? You know what? I think I'm a little taller. <laughs> <laughs> but he just had surgery. He may be slouching a little bit. <laughs> I'm, you notice I don't have the pirate patch on now. So I have double vision, so it actually doesn't matter. It's a little bit like... Uh, I can do that uh, young Frankenstein thing. I can actually cover either eye. <laughs> as long as one's covered up, I'm fine. Right now, there's a lot of people out there. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real-life bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy! Enjoy!